section eighteen of six radical thinkers by john mccun this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter five the religious radicalism of mazzini part one it was the central aim of mazzini's life to make democracy alike in thought and in action religious in the italian revolution of eighteen forty eight it was his privilege none dearer to his heart to have entrusted to him the flag of the volunteers on which was inscribed god and the people it was the flag he was carrying all his life in that inscription is to be found the text of every word he wrote and of all the democratic watchwords rights of man greatest happiness no monopoly tools to the man who can use them none could satisfy him nothing could satisfy him but the old cry of the crusader god wills it god wills it for from early years he was painfully struck by the fact that democracy and religion seemed to have sundered if anything ever profoundly surprised me he says of democracy it is that so many persons have hitherto been blind to the profoundly religious character of that movement nor did the fault lie solely with democracy it lay also so he thought at the door of christianity which by its unpractical otherworldliness its undue preoccupation with private piety and above all its detachment from the political duties went far to forfeit his allegiance he had justification here it cannot be affirmed that the great democratic changes of the nineteenth century were broadly speaking carried through in the name of religion not certainly in england hardly in a single case except in the emancipation of the slave and to a lesser degree in factory legislation can it be said that it was in the name of religion that reform was pressed forward it was no sympathy with roman catholicism that passed catholic emancipation it was the idea of political equality it was no sense of the value of nonconformist religion that got rid of tests it was the claim for political justice still less was it so with free trade or questions of imperial or municipal franchise probably the individual citizen may have been upheld in these and many other struggles by spiritual motives there may have been much religion in his life even in his politics though there was not much on his lips in this way the private religious inspirations of personal lives may be a force even in the most secular movements this however is matter of conjecture and against it must be set certain tendencies which already in mazzini's day and in increasing measure since have made steadily for the secularization of politics one is the tendency in some quarters to reduce politics to an exciting game an eternal cricket match between blue and yellow to use maine's belittling metaphor another is the disposition to view public life as nothing more than public business a mere matter-of-fact affair in which the invocation of spiritual motives would be as absurd as liturgies in a counting-house or a government office a third is the trend of democracy to engross itself in the more materialistic problems not unnaturally 
but it lies on the face of history that this country and other countries have as the nineteenth century ran its course become industrialized and commercialized to the core an extraordinary conspiracy of causes which it is needless to recite has cooperated to this result never since the world began has there been such an increase of wealth and never has the need for material resources made itself more prominent even in the more spiritual causes be it in churches or in universities in schools or institutions for grappling with disease or in the manifold projects of social philanthropy to this we need not return it was as we have seen the movement of which cobden was the prophet nor need it be deplored it is never the end of a nation to diminish its riches its problem is to spiritualize increase of riches but the movement has its dangers it materializes it secularizes it absorbs the people more and more in economic ends which lie at furthest remove from moral and religious motives it is the inevitable risk which every nation runs by becoming rich only a spiritual people can spiritualize great riches especially when great riches go with great want of riches nor is it rash to say that the magnitude of the conflict the conflict about property which seems opening out before democracy in the present age is likely to put the spiritual forces of society to the proof it was precisely this that wrought upon mazzini's fears his hatred of the materialistic program of the manchester school is so intense that one might suppose it would have precipitated him into socialism and so it might for he has much in common with the socialists had it not been that he dreaded that the socialists by drawing all political effort into an absorbing struggle between poverty and riches would materialize and secularize the democracy in their very effort to save it as with the movements so with the thinkers the thinkers of democracy had had much to say about political justice and natural rights about greatest happiness and utility not much about religion neither bentham nor james mill nor john stuart mill were in any ordinary sense religious thinkers to judge from their own words they would probably have resented the imputation and though cobden like bright now and again lifts up current politics into the lofty region of theistic appeal did he not call free trade the international law of the almighty cobden as his biographer tells us was not of those who live much in the unseen the secularity of all of them is unmistakable as we think of the cheerful religious indifference of bentham the sensationalistic reaction against orthodoxy of james mill the attenuated theism of his son the mundane practicality of cobden it is not too much to say that even had they wished to give democracy a religious creed which they did not all these men in holy alliance had not so much as the makings of such a creed amongst them similarly with nineteenth-century socialism the christian socialists it is true with morris and kingsley at their head made a gallant attempt to capture socialism for christianity 
and their effort may always serve as a perhaps needful reminder that there is no essential bond between socialism and secularism yet it will hardly be disputed that the real thing the formidable socialism of marx and lasalle and their following has gone upon its own way marching on usually toward secularism and sometimes to judge by their own avowals toward a pronounced atheism all this is what mazzini was determined to change once and forever the religious question he wrote late in life pursues me like a remorse it is the only one of any real importance all his hopes for democracy were staked upon its rescue from materialism and secularism we have his own words here on the day when democracy shall elevate itself to the position of a religious party it will carry away the victory not before this was the task to which he dedicated his life and he held to it with the same unfaltering faith and the same unwavering pertinacity with which he wrought for italian freedom he long meditated a book upon religion it was to be his magnum opus and he often chafed as the years went on that it was still left undone but he might well have spared himself his self-reproaches for all his life through he was writing on religion religion and politics were in his mind inseparable to write on one was to write on the other hence the glowing fervour of his phrase hence the sustained elevation of his appeal coupling as it does even the homeliest duties with the loftiest motives it is not politics as politics are usually written it is a kind of oratorio in politics nor had he the slightest doubt as to what above all other things was needed it was a creed a creed to be held not only by such as might in reflective hours wish to justify their motives to themselves but to be as the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day to radical reformers in the actual campaigns of politics in this sense mazzini believed in the need for dogma not catholic dogma nor yet protestant for of both he was severely critical yet dogma in the sense of a settled body of convictions as to the relation of men and nations to god to which the spirit of leaders and followers alike might ever return for unfailing inspiration and refreshment of the possibility of such a creed he was supremely confident he was prepared to formulate it himself he even seemingly looked forward to the coming of a day when a new spiritual power would from a regenerated rome formulate the new faith for italy and the world it is not within our scope to examine mazzini's religious creed and to test the grounds on which he held it philosophers and theologians will probably agree that he underrated the difficulties of construction he was too rationalistic to lean on authority he was not rationalistic enough to trust to reason when it took the form of metaphysical analysis of which he had an impatience bordering on hatred we will sweep out all that stuff was his significant remark about hegelianism he was a man of intuitions not of analysis it was convictions he cared for not inferences and ratiocinations he was more akin here to carlyle than to the philosophers be this however as it may the point that concerns us here is that he was absolutely convinced 
that without a religious faith democracy was foredoomed to failure and the question of interest is why the answer lies in two convictions upon both of which mazzini is explicit to emphasis the one that nothing less than an unfaltering sense of duty can nerve and sustain the democratic citizen the other that this consciousness of duty must stand or fall with a theistic faith we must glance at these in turn there is a popular belief that democracy has much to give and mazzini shared it to the full he was optimist enough to think that democracy carried in it the promise of honest livelihood and carefree home of sound education and an unobstructed civic life rich in many and varied forms of free association but he also believed if he believed anything that it had in its hand a greater gift than these the gift of the obligation to live and if need be readily to die for one's country truly he was no preacher or promiser of smooth things to his generation it startles us to read of the burdens which in his own political career he laid on the consciences of citizens it was neither by mother's tears nor friends remonstrances that he could be for a moment stayed in sending young and ardent spirits upon missions which he knew meant death it was not callousness for he had one of the tenderest of hearts nor was it recklessness which was far from his conspiring and far-seeing mind it was the settled conviction that failure and death intrepidly encountered are the really sanest and in the long run the most fruitful tribute to political duty merciful says carlyle of him in a startling conjunction of epithets merciful and fierce for his own part he habitually took his liberty and life in his hands and there was a memorable moment in his career when in forty nine the short-lived roman republic lay at the mercy of french bayonets and when as one of the triumvirs he urged the romans to prove to the world that republics founded upon faith and duty neither yield nor capitulate but die protesting this deification of duty has an obverse a complete distrust of the democracy of rights mazzini's fear for democracy was not the ordinary fear the ordinary fear is that it will go too far mazzini's is that it will not go far enough because it may rest fatally contented with the enjoyment of its rights this is the warning that runs through the hortatory and passionate pages of the duties of man it was not that he undervalued civil and political rights he knew well that these were fundamental conditions of all else he was the last man to disparage the struggle for rights but the pity of it was and the danger that the citizen having got his rights should fancy that this was all and blindly think that rights were the end instead of as in truth they are only the beginnings of a true citizenship what is the right of free utterance if a man have no word of sincerity or sense to utter or the right to worship god to him who shows no desire either in churches or out of them to worship anything or the right of property to the hewer of wood and drawer of water who can barely earn a subsistence or the right to vote to the citizen who is so corrupt that he sells it or so indifferent 
that he uses it either not at all or with a deplorable levity. This is the line of thought that saturates Mazzini. He may not have done full justice to rights. He surely did not when he said that men will not die for rights. It is not the less true that he knew how to value rights more than many from whose lips the word was never absent. For he saw, as only too many cannot see, that the winning of rights is but one of those half-victories which is a whole defeat, if the lesson be not learnt, that when a people has won its rights, it is then only for the first time in a position to begin effectively to do its duties. For there are two ways of teaching mankind to value their rights. The one is to speak to them of their wrongs, and wake up within them that fury against injustice which is one of the most indestructible passions of the human heart nor is this a way unknown to mazzini if the italy we know is another italy than that of his youth it is in part at least because mazzini did not know how to spare a despot whether in church or in state merciful and fierce yet it was not in this method that he reposed his trust but in the more excellent way of lodging in the heart and imagination of the citizen an ideal of what he had it in him to achieve if only his just rights were given him it is not rights it is duties that is the really fundamental and quickening conception as with rights so with interests it has been said that mazzini failed to do justice to utilitarianism and the fact need not be denied his biographer tells us that there is no sign of his having read Mill. If he had, he would doubtless have done more justice to the utilitarian ideal which in so many points is like his own. Even in his handling of Bentham, against whom his attack is levelled, he never seems to realise the width of the gulf that parts the Benthamite with his splendid devotion to the public good from the fanatics of natural rights yet even his failures here serve all the better to illustrate the point it was because he was so wholly out of sympathy with utilitarianism that he could not do justice to it and the reason of his lack of sympathy was the conviction that the utilitarian appeal resting as it does on hedonism was inadequate to the sacrifices democracy demands it was equally impotent he thought to evoke the spirit of sacrifice and to justify it it is in vain so runs his characteristic sum of the whole matter to adjure mankind in the name of pleasure to die it is not to be denied that this criticism at any rate assails utilitarianism on a weak point when bentham said that the word ought ought to be expunged from the vocabulary of morals he was certainly giving a hostage to his enemies. He was confirming their suspicion that the Benthamite appeals to greatest happiness were, after all, conditional. For were they not conditional upon the contingency that by grace of nature or by operation of the external sanctions, self-interest may come to take the form of benevolence? Even Mill, decisive though his divergence from Bentham is, leaves the call to self-sacrifice appropriate only to the select minority in whom social feeling has found favouring soil and needful nurture there is in strict logic no room even in his gospel for those unconditional 
those categorical appeals which however hard to justify in theory are the claimant practical necessities of reformers it is at any rate in these appeals that mazzini reposes all his trust he has a horror of the utilitarian spirit of calculation and compromise he thinks it would sap all unselfish and heroic effort he has scant respect for the hypothetical heroism which will undertake difficult duties only under the guidance of political arithmetic the one sufficient security lies for him in the clear line of duty absolutely without compromise paltering or shadow of turning he would have ought and can as inseparably knit in the reformer's creed as in the ethics of kant this is high and heroic doctrine and we must now go on to add that in mazzini's eyes it is likewise impossible doctrine if it does not rest upon a convinced theism for mazzini is not to be numbered among those to whom religious beliefs are more or less probable hypotheses or even needful moral postulates his belief in god is not as with kant a superstructure built on his belief in duty on the contrary his gospel of duty depends upon his faith in god hence his lifelong aspiration and effort to make democracy theistic for a godless democracy was in his eyes a democracy with the sinews of all dutiful and sacrificing effort cut End of section 18